Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Pending Moderation. This is episode whatever episode eight. Fuck. Yeah, this is episode eight. And uh today we are going to be discussing zombies. I am Phil, and this is my buddy Mark. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got <guess. laughs> So, hi, Mark. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Oh, pretty, pretty good, Paul. How about you? Right. No, I'm fantastic today. Uh, so, our discussions over zombies, it's just that, you know, we, as people, as men, I guess, if we're allowed to say that anymore, we have discussed zombie apocalypses for as long as I can remember. It's one of those things. You drink a couple of beers with a friend, you sit, and then eventually you get to a point where someone asks you, so what will you do if zombies w- uh, were actual real things and there was a zombie apocalypse? And this is the podcast where we are going to jump into that topic. We're going to discuss it, how we see zombies, what kind of zombies they are. We look at the different variants that zombies have had, how it's portrayed in the media, like in books, in uh, movies, in shows. And in video games as well. Uh, I will be talking a lot about World War Z by Max Brooks. Because he is by far the world leading expert on zombies. And everything he has written has just been amazing. And details the physiology of a zombie. How you're supposed to uh, protect yourself against a zombie. But there are certain things that he does uh, allude to. But he doesn't address as um, uh, closely as we would have liked him to do. So we'll talk about other things that come with a zombie apocalypse in this episode. If you would like to get in on our conversations, uh, in the description of this episode, there will be a link to podbean.com where you will be able to comment on our episode, comment on this episode, comment on any other episode that you would like to comment on. We will take whatever you say into consideration and use it to move forward. We'd love to have you guys as a part of our conversation. And yeah, without further ado, zombies. So, zombies, zombies, zombies. What is a zombie? So, a zombie is essentially a being, a human, that has been stripped of all of its humanity. Right? It's something that usually it's a viral um, infection that takes hold of a person and it renders the person unable to think for itself and craving brains, apparently. Brains or flesh. And uh, Mark, when you look at zombies, how would you, what would you classify as a zombie? Well, the, the classic concept of a zombie is something, you know, like essentially a, a corpse that got infected, or a person that got infected before they, before they passed, and then passed as a result of either the, the infection or an injury related to the infection and then a few moments later or a day later or whatever they reanimate and come back to life. That was sort of your your classic zombie and then as far as I know like the zombies that you get in video games things like that. Um, so that's about what I would classify as a zombie. Yeah and each one of these little zombie apocalypses was brought by something else or started by something else. 
Like you have that the general infection where someone gets sick and then they fall into a coma from a fever and then they die and they are reanimated after they die. There are also pathologic or um, radiation zombies, which is caused by like a media that hits the earth. And of course that spreads a deadly type of radiation that causes people to be reanimated from the dead. There are vegetarian zombies, and there's there's a whole bunch of different ways that people can become zombies. And strangely enough, all of them are speculative, because the only known um, instance of zombies, well, two known instances of zombies, are the Cordyceps virus uh, that attacks the little um, caterpillars, which Mark will go into detail in a little bit. The fungus, yeah. The fungus, yes. And we also have the chicken zombies. Now, chicken zombies are created when uh, old hens are euthanized, and they're not euthanized properly. So then they all look dead, and they're thrown into a little pile where this zombie or this chicken reanimates itself, and then digs itself out of this pile of dead, like, chickens, and it, like, ambles around, and then dies because, you know, it, it was euthanized with gas. So those are the only actual zombies that have been um, confirmed by Mr. Max Brooks, um, with the exception of these are this other fungus that Mark will tell you about right now. Yeah, so cordyceps mushrooms are really, really cool mushrooms. Like, I could actually probably do a whole podcast just talking about different kinds of cool mushrooms. Um, but cordyceps, what's really interesting about it is it's um, when it fruits, it has a spore that that will spread, and that spread that spore is is uh, spread by air moving around or by ants moving around the spores or by various insects or whatever. And eventually, it, I'm not exactly sure on the mechanism of infection, but it, it gets into a like into a caterpillar, and the fungus causes. Um, like a response from the, the the brain of the caterpillar and it directs it to seek out like I think a sunny patch or an edge of a, a cliff or an edge of a branch or something like that and then basically you just lay down and die there and then as the caterpillar's body decomposes the mushroom fungus spore uh, grows into a mushroom and fruits from the 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 head of the caterpillar so it's a pretty like brutal and sort of crazy concept to think about um and there's 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 a series obviously based on it the last of us which Paul will probably uh, be more knowledgeable about and i guess that's a good segue for you to take away about the last of us Oh yeah, it has been, these cordyceps are used in Last of Us as the cause of the infection that runs through the game and runs through the, the show as well. The game and the show are all amazing pieces of art. Uh, the cordyceps essentially take control, they um, re- reproduce in your brain. So they take over your brain and you are aimed to seek out other sources where these cordyceps can um, well populate as well. So you're looking for other people that you can bite and infect with this virus if you are affected by the virus. So you turn into a kind of zombie. 
And eventually the cordyceps will keep growing and growing and growing until you are immobile because you just have mushrooms coming out of you wherever you are and you become part of the earth like mushrooms do. And by becoming part of the earth, you get connected to the mycenial um, uh, network that connects you to all other cordyceps that are also similarly connected to this, uh, this network. And that's how they would essentially find new hosts. So you'd be walking as a normal human, you'd be walking on the ground and the vibrations that you give off would disturb this network. And then zombies that have laid dormant would come alive again and start seeking you out. And the game is essentially you um, uh, as Joel um, with this girl called Ellie, who is immune to this virus. And you are essentially trying to get her to an aid station where they're able to use her in order to um, provide a something to fight the zombie apart or the zombie virus for humans itself. Provide somewhat of a vaccine. And that's all I'm going to say about the game or the show. I'm just giving you yeah. this bare minimum because I would really love for you guys to play this game itself, to um, watch the show which has Pedro Pascal in, and he's just amazing as an actor. And it's just, it's a great, it's a great media, um, great piece of media that you could go into watching. And uh, I, I'm going to say it again. I love it. <laughs> I love this show. I love this game as well. <laughs> There's something you mentioned now, which I, which is, I just want to add to is the Cordyceps Mushroom and the Mycelial Network. So that's actually based in in reality. Like that's how mushroom and my mushroom bodies and mycelial networks can communicate over massive distances. The the largest organism on Earth is a mushroom mycelial network. There's a massive meadow, uh, like a not meadow, but like a mushroom mycelial network that runs under kilometers and kilometers of a meadow and forest, and it's all one connected mycelial body, um, which is pretty amazing. And what you were talking about, how when you step um, onto mycelium or, or dirt that has mycelium under it, that imprint of your footstep in the mycelium lasts for a long, 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 long time. Um, and it's it's sort of like a, like a record-keeping thing as well. It's like the mushroom is like really smart. There's like an experiment that they did with a with a fungus to um, to do a subway network for them, where they put food sources for the for the fungus, and it laid out um, some of the. They used it to basically map out the most effective way to make subways, um, based on how the mycelial mycelium was so efficient at, at getting um, food to the food sources and mapping out links between them. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to just address is. Unfortunately, the Last of Us series does play on uh, mycophobia, and so that's obviously the fear of mushrooms and spores and and fungus in general. And it's important to note that like, there's nothing to fear from a cordyceps mushroom; um, they're actually very medicinal and beneficial. Um, so it's worth doing a bit of reading into it instead of being just uh, blanketly scared of mushrooms. There's a lot of uh, uh, empowerment i guess that comes from being able to know like oh is something dangerous or not so it's worth mycology is fun and uh, it's worth dabbling in you don't have to be a mycologist but 
identifying mushrooms is a, is a fun kind of hobby. Uh, so yeah, that's the, the little side tangent I just wanted to add on the mushrooms. They're not that bad, and they're not all that scary. Yeah, and I also have to say that the, the cordyceps that infect humans are, of course, not the same cordyceps we come across in our world today. They are a muta mutated variant that is able to survive inside of the human body. Generally, the human body is too hot. It's like our heat is too high to have the cordyceps live and uh, thrive in our body itself. Uh, but, of course, this mutated one was able is able to do that. And that's why it spread everywhere that it spread. Because it was in... Oh, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say how it, how it spreads, but I, I'm just going to stop it right there. Yeah, we don't, but, we don't need that. You don't um, need to the know point that. Is, the point is that's a piece of fictional work, and it's based yeah. on a real-life mushroom, but a real-life mushroom is not dangerous like that. Yeah. Just right, like back to other back to other zombies, I guess. Back to other <laughs> zombies, yeah. Zombies were made popular and uh, by George Romero or George A. Romero, and he released a movie called Dawn of the Dead, which was all about zombies and about fighting zombies. And it was the first time that the mainstream media was um, exposed to something of this sort. Everything else was like things that were stories that were told by our ancestors and told in the ancient times. And there is proof of people who have been put in um, uh, in coffins and then they had rocks piled on top of their coffins to make sure they didn't uh, reanimate at that point. So all of these stories are stories that come from a long time ago, but George Romero just brought it back to uh, the forefront and we got them zombies that we know about today. Now, a zombie is essentially a character that, as I said earlier, does not have the thinking capacity of a human. The zombie virus affects the brain um, and causes your death, your imminent death, so you die, and after you die, your body is reanimated, and it's lacking in certain things that normal humans have. The first and foremost thing that zombies don't have is our ability to think and our ability to communicate. Because, you know, their brains are just alive to make sure that their body moves around and they are able to uh, bite more flesh and get themselves that sustenance that they need. They also have, uh, they are human, so they have the physical abilities of human. Their sight's not as good as it should be. Their sound is better than ours because essentially they are just listening for a certain sound, which is us. Um, they rely a lot on their smell. And um, I don't know about their taste, but their taste doesn't have anything to do with anything other than that. So they are essentially a human who has a body, and this body is just moving at the pace that a body moves. Um, and there have been different variants, like in 28 Days Later. Have you watched this movie? Yep. Yeah, with the rage virus, it takes over them, and then you just have a whole bunch of people just running around like crazy. <laughs> And those are running zombies, which uh, I don't like to use the word zombie when it comes to running zombies because they're running. Like, please. If, and, and also, if, technically, those aren't undead. Yeah, like, they aren't undead. The, because, like, that's why that's why in the beginning when you mentioned, like, what do you consider a zombie? It's like in the modern sort of term zombie, it, it applies pretty broadly. Um, but in the classic concept, it's, it's sort of 
the reanimated dead. Yeah. We also have The Walking Dead, a show based on these guys surviving the zombie apocalypse, uh, which was amazing until it was not. I started reading the comic books and then I got into the show. And then I loved the show up until something happened in the show and I went, okay, I am done with the show now. But they had the classic zombies, the shuffling zombies. Um, they gather together in hordes. You're able to move through them if you cover yourself in guts or look like a zombie or act like a zombie. And it's, it's, I, I like it. So when it comes to zombie in media, what is your most, uh, your biggest example of zombies? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not actually the biggest consumer of zombie media, but I do like um, parody movies and things like that of zombies. So, for example, uh, Shaun of the Dead. It's it's a it's a great comedy movie. Um, it it pokes a lot of fun at some of the zombie sort of tropes, and it doesn't take the concept of zombies as as sort of serious as uh, Max Brooks does. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a really uh, a really good movie, and then um, Zombieland as well. That that takes the classic zombie concept a bit more seriously. Like they they are more like classic. Like the comedy is more around the characters than around poking fun at the concept of a zombie. You know, they have like their survival rules of like be faster, stay fit. You know, the cardio rule, double tap. You know, make sure the brain is destroyed. Um, all of these like little zombie survival rules that they follow also sort of line up with like the, the Max Brooks sort of logical zombies. Um, and then if I have to think of like where I would have first encountered zombies in in media, it would have probably been playing Diablo um, and, and Left 4 Dead and Resident Evil and things like that. That would have been... My, Diablo is probably the first... I think there are zombies in Diablo 1. I don't know if it was yeah. skeletons. I can't remember so far back. <laughs> um, but definitely zombies in Diablo 2, 100%. I know that um, so yeah, that's probably my my idea or my first encounters of, of zombies in media. Yeah, um, I must say, I, I also came across it in Diablo, uh, Resident Evil, but the one that stuck with me was Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead, where you played as these dudes and you're just like shooting down hordes of zombies. Ah, oh, it's a game you can just keep playing <laughs> as long as you have four friends well three friends <laughs> if you have, if you have four friends it's awkward it's awkward <laughs> <laughs> then you should play something else but if you have three friends right there we go it's on <laughs> you play left for dead play back for blood but back for blood is uh different kind of infected uh the one the one show or the one piece of media that hits a nail right on the head is world war z by max brooks and World War Z is essentially a story with a guy who goes around in um, interviewing different people on the experiences during the World War of the World War Z, which is the World War of the Zombies, where the whole world essentially faced the zombie apocalypse. And you have all these different interesting stories coming from different parts of the world saying how they dealt with the infection and what they did to try and. Um, fight this infection and try and make sure that they were safe as well. There's a story where um, they 
where they're first documenting the very first time they come across zombies, and it's these uh the soldiers at this village and this little girl is infected and they see this girl shuffling towards them and no one knows what to do about it because they're keeping everyone away because they just sent off a patrol and a couple of people died in the patrol and now this little girl is shuffling back and she's not uh, she's nothing is is phasing her so she's constantly moving and ultimately they shoot this girl and the girl falls down comes back up and they shoot it in the head eventually and that's where they have the first documented case of the zombie and i think they burnt down the entire village because they went no we don't want this thing to spread and later on as the the war gets uh progresses because zombies find a way to or the zombie virus finds a way to get all over the earth one guy is infected by getting a transplanted heart so he gets a heart and the heart has some zombie virus in him. He dies. He's reanimated. And that whole, that whole hospital is fucking under quarantine because of that. Uh, you have in Cape Town where they had a zombie horde come through so Kailicha. And because it went through Kailicha, they were, the hospital was filled up with people. And they were like, it's African rabies. And eventually the African rabies started not being African rabies and started being zombies. And they started like massacring that, that entire area. And uh, as the story goes along, you hear these little stories from these, these people who um, decided they want to go north so that the cold can freeze up the zombies. Or these people were like, cool, I'm going to cover myself in one area. And you have all of these things that um, show how people try to combat these zombies and like how how they succeeded and how they didn't succeed in it and i will say max brooks world War Z, fantastic read it's a great read it's uh, uh i i implore you all to give it a read at least once in your lifetime i own the book uh, i own two copies of the books um one that's at home and one that's with me right now because every once in a while i get the little itch where i need to read a little bit about zombies so he describes how zombies, what would happen initially during an outbreak. So when a zombie um, outbreak happens, Mark, what do you think will happen if zombies were to, um, if there were to be an apocalypse right now? Well, it depends on where your outbreak starts. So yeah. if your first case is like a rural area with like a farmer, or like you know, some something moves from like an animal over to a human, or or if it's for example like the like a fungus type thing, and it happens like out in this area, then I think it'd be it wouldn't be as serious of a problem because they would just sort of quarantine that area, and you know you wouldn't have just like immediate uh, implosion of the country, but if it happened in like an airborne type situation or oh. if it happened in like a dense city or like an airport maybe yeah and then you had him so then you basically had like say a thousand people infected which all then spread it spread immediately to different countries and then depending on how contagious it would be that would be 
a much bigger problem. Um, and then medium or short to medium term, what would happen is obviously resources which would be scarce. Um, so then areas, people in the, the more rural areas who, who would have some resources would likely be under threat from people in who have now consumed whatever resources were in the, the more densely populated city areas. And so eventually those people will start spreading out looking for resources, food, um, because obviously in the setting you're going to have like looting and fighting and you're going to have like a lot of those type of things happening. Um, but you might have more infrastructure and governmental control in cities than in your rural areas. So I don't know. It's very hard to sort of, it's, it kind of depends how rapidly the virus progresses and then like, or, or the, the, the result cause of zombies progresses. And then what kind of zombies you end up getting, I guess. So like, cause if it's, if it's, if you're thinking of like rage virus zombies, then that could be very quick to be yeah. a, a, a city. Um, but if you're talking about like, you know, decaying sickness type zombies, you know, it they might be able to identify it, or if it happens in an isolated town, you know, it it hopefully won't spread that fast, and then they can maybe figure out ways to deal with it and, and mitigate the, the issues. Um. So yeah, I think I think that's how it would go down. Um, I think it all depends on the incubation period, because when you get bit by a by the zombie, how long is it going to take for you to turn into a zombie? Because generally people, if you're bitten by the zombie, we see this in a lot of movies where someone gets bitten and then they, they refuse to tell anyone else that they did get bitten and then all of a sudden they get uh, they become a zombie. In real life, right, do you think that would actually happen? Do you think someone gets bitten by a zombie and it's like not immediately saying like, holy fuck, I got bitten by a zombie, you know? <laughs> no, but th- th- think about the ramifications. So you get bitten by a zombie, right? You're with a group of people. You know you are safe with that group of people. You know that if anything else happens, you could get ripped apart by zombies outside. So you rather take your chances with the people with you, and they will immediately throw you to the lurch and allow you to die um, a slow and painful death due to like the fever that you get from the zombie, uh, zombie virus, and then dying and then reanimating again. So... I think most people want to stay alive. So they're like, I want to stay alive and stay cognitive as long as I possibly can. And my best chance is with these people. So I'm going to lie about having a, a bite until it's too late for anyone else. People are selfish, dude. Yeah, that's true. I guess, I don't know. For yeah. me, it'd be like, I just got child. I'm going to chop my arm off and then like tourniquet that shit or something. I don't know, man. Like, like <laughs> you got you got to try something to like, yeah. it's like a different level of self-preservation in me. Like the self-preservation in me wouldn't be to like doom everyone else. Yeah. I, I would never do that. I would never do that. But then again, I have not been in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> even though, even though our world has gone through a pandemic, I've never been in a zombie apocalypse. I would like to think that I would say, okay, I'm bitten. Or if I get bitten, I'm like, cool, chop my arm off, chop my leg off. Can we please make sure I don't die from getting my leg chopped off? 
<laughs> but if I get bit in the neck, then I'm like, ah, guys, I got bit in the neck. I'm going to go and run into that zombie horde over there, and I'll try and distract them while you guys get away. Because, uh, you know, you're restarting humanity. The world is ultimately screwed at this point. So you're yeah, restarting exactly. humanity. So you, you need to, you. Yeah, you need to do something in order to help this. But as I said, there are people who's going to be very selfish and they're going to be like, no, I like these people. I want to die with these people. And if I'm going to die, everyone else might as well die with me. <laughs> so when I say the incubation period, um, usually it, all most media generally says it's going to be about 24 hours that you are incubated. In that time, you can fly halfway across the world. In that time, you can, especially if you're not showing any signs, you can get uh, from one area to the next. Um, say, and if it happens, if it happens at an airport, like yeah. as I say, it's like, and let's say it doesn't have to be a thousand people; it can be like a hundred people that fly yeah. to like to like six different countries, and and it's yeah. already a fuck up. Like yeah. the, the the pandemic we just had, you know. Okay, there's speculation around like how early people might have known about it and, and didn't know about it. But, you know, the sort of official narrative is it's like, you know, a couple of people on one flight that's yeah. spread to, like, everywhere. You know, yeah, like and, uh, Italy, England, everywhere. It was just all over. Yeah, and think about those people who, like me, I was asymptomatic. And because I was asymptomatic, I would have I never known that I had um, a corona until I got the test. I just took it because I was like, okay, uh, my friends are sick and they've all gotten sick and I've been around them for quite some time. So I think I need to go do a test. So I did a test and then I was like, ah, I've got Corona and I would have never known. And everyone's body is different and it handles um, infection differently. So some people will never know they got bit or like they opened scab, scratched a piece of, like something that had some zombie flesh on it and yeah. they got infected that way and that you know? and that's not that unrealistic hey like that's yeah. really not that unrealistic because um like uh, blood sicknesses and infection and stuff like that like septicemia can happen very 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 quickly from from the smallest like infection from like little scrapes little bites i mean yeah, yeah there's some there's some spider bite that basically like just from you scratching it, like some dirt or stuff under your fingernail gets like yeah. proliferated by the, the the spider like infection, and you can get like really infected really quickly with something like that. Um, yeah. So you got to watch out for um, for these kind of things. And I mean, like I've had, for example, tick bite fever, which is uh, there's various kinds of, of tick bite fever. It's it's from uh, it's not actually from the tick bite. It's from the, the parasites that are in the tick bite. And those parasites uh, affect your, your blood. And, and they cause some, some pretty crazy... It's, it's, it's probably, the, I think, the worst I've, I've ever felt in my life. Because for about nine days, I, was, I had every joint in my body was in, inflamed. So, like, every knuckle, uh, wrist, elbow, shoulder, knees, like, everything permanently inflamed and hurting and then uh, extreme light sensitivity so like the crack in the blinds or the curtain would feel like someone is like laser cutting my brain through my eyes it was 
Jeez. Really unpleasant. And that's just a little little parasite in a tiny little bug. <laughs> so so it's not that unreasonable to think that you could get infected pretty easily. Again, depending on what the the mechanism of infection is or like if it's yeah. an airborne pathogen, if it's a, a thing that, that's like immunity immune system driven, you know, like a virus or whatever. Um, yeah. If it's like a fungus, you know, if it's a bacteria, is like you would need to know that to know how how you would defend yourself. Um, and the thing is, like, if it if it's got a short uh, incubation, incubation period, but it's super contagious, then you've also got the same problem. If it's got yeah. like not that contagious but low incubation, it means people could infect multiple people without knowing it. It's so it just all depends on I think what kind of virus we're working with. Yeah, I I, I don't want to talk about the airborne one because airborne is just like we're all screwed. <laughs> it's in the air. We're gonna have to everyone wear gas masks and uh, yeah, I would not like to wear gas masks wherever I go. Um, but the method of infection can vary also. If it's something that was transferred over from an animal, what if it's an animal we eat? So we end up eating exactly. like some beef and this beef is made in the small town where they only have cows in their town and like a bunch of people, a, a number of people. And then they just export this beef wherever they go. And then you start eating this beef and that triggers the, the zombie virus and it takes over your brain. Anything could happen. Um, but yeah, all of our plans that we have for zombie apocalypse, it's all hinging on this one thing. How does it spread? Because there are ways you can stop it from spreading, but not everything is foolproof. Yeah, I mean, yeah. ultimately, there are, they are like uh, general rules of thumb to like defend yourself regardless of what kind. If it's, if it's something that is being transmitted from person to person, then uh, that fun term we like to use, social distancing. Yeah, but, we, but, but it's, it's, uh, we're talking like kilometers, not six feet. like you call them on the phone oh wait you can't call them on the phone because cell towers would be screwed at that point yeah you're like short short range radios yeah (laughs) hopefully yeah that should work it should work yeah so a zombie apocalypse happens mark you have your short-term radios with you what do you do when this happens well i'm not in the like if i'm if it happens and i'm chilling at home then it's pretty much like when the pandemic started. I'll have like 45 days of like waiting for society to fall apart while I smoke <laughs> a lot of weed and drink a lot of beer. Um, <laughs> because, hey, there's nothing better than a, a, you know, a bong and a beer while you watch society crumble. But <laughs> um, for real, I don't know. Like I've got a farm, like space here. We've got several houses. Uh, we've got access to like roads and stuff, but we're not very walled off or fenced off. So we'd likely have to move the majority of the resources and centralize them and then build barricades and defenses around whichever building we choose as our main building. And then essentially create, um, I would start immediately by creating a food source. So I've got lots of seeds, my own like little seed bank here. So I've got various uh, le- like like leaf vegetables, I have all the leaf plants and 
lots of vegetables, onions, potatoes, carrots, things like that that are pretty easy to grow and have a short turnaround time. Um, and they yeah. grow well in the climate here. So I would be able to, to short-term, to, to create short-term sustenance. Long-term would be a bit more of an issue because I don't have uh, that much like first aid knowledge and I don't have that much, um, you know, like, I can do a lot of DIY stuff, but without like tech and electric, I'm not that useful. So when those <laughs> things start, when those things start to fade, you've got a bit of a problem. We do have solar panels and batteries and things like that, but those also won't last forever. Um, lithium iron, for example, degrades over time, and when the grid starts to starts to collapse, then our power will start to collapse as well. Then things like keeping refrigerated food. Uh, things like that long term will become difficult, so you'd have to start making root cellars, things like that. Um, so yeah, like that's probably the way I'd go. I would try and collect people who I can trust who have weapons, because uh, ammunition and weaponry will become a shortage, um, like very quickly. Yeah. Um, because certain people will stockpile, I guess, things and things like that. And then it would be about trying to just gather as much food and resources in the beginning as possible so that you can, like, outlast whatever it is in the beginning. And then if it becomes a perpetual sort of apocalypse type scenario, you know, where the majority of humanity is infected and there's a few strongholds. Then it would be trying to boost radio signals, see if anyone else has radio signal, um, communicating with other people like that, um, but probably not trying to give your location away to, to show them. You probably want to meet in in like middle middle areas. Fuel would also mm. be an important thing to try and stockpile, um, but you, again, you can't keep fuel that long has like a shelf life um yeah there's a lot of things like i don't know there's a lot of things to consider but yeah well the first thing i would do is is on this farm if i was going to stay yeah i would find the most secure building barricade it put up uh like walls and, and you know, defenses and some anti-zombie traps you know toss a few rakes in the garden or something um <laughs> just just gotta do something to, you know, and like early warning systems. So like tripwires, bells, cans, anything that makes a noise, you need you need that sort of thing. So you have an alert, and then you'd have to do shifts of keeping watch. You'd have to yeah. Everyone would have to do training daily, get fit and strong, and healthy. Um. These would all be important things. Because fitness would be important. You can't be like overweight and prone to prone to sickness and unhealthy in an apocalypse scenario. Everyone's gonna pitch in. Yeah. So in in my hometown there there is a castle. Like a little castle just like on this hill. It's generally hidden by like um by the forest around it. But that's the place that I would like to go if there's a, a zombie apocalypse and I need people. So 
luckily I'm I'm generally a charismatic guy, so I can talk to people and get people on my side. But essentially, I want people to start growing things. Um, I also need a a carpenter, uh, to help make uh make use of all the wood around it and make sure that we're able to protect ourselves from it. Um, but I would essentially just like to collect a couple of people that I trust that I know that will help me build this this small community. Because I know, like you said, I've got many skills when it comes to the tech world. Like, give me a computer, I will fix it, no problem. Right? You have to, like, connect this wire to that wire to make that wire work. Yeah, I'm down. I can do that. You know, I can do DIY work. But, but, you know, after, after that's all gone, <laughs> no one's going to be using computers to grow food. <laughs> no one's going to be using computers. Well, they might use it to make sure that there's a security system set up. But all the walls, all the, the um, windows will need to be barricaded. No one's going to be able to see in at night. So when I have a fire going on inside, like they must not be able to see the light that comes from the fire. Because if someone sees that light happening, then there's a good chance that you're going to get raided. But if you have a group of good people around you, you have your shift set up where people are looking, are looking out for zombies and looking out for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you would, you should be able to get something going for the foreseeable future, especially growing your own crops and eventually getting some animals in as well. Uh, but all of this, you will have to navigate the zombies in order to get there. And what I like about this castle is it's in the middle of nowhere, essentially. It's far away from the buildings, far away from the farms around it. So it's got that natural barrier around it where you're like, okay. Um, I'm relatively far from everyone else, so I can go into town and see if I can get something um, that that will help me further my course. But when I do go into town, I'm going to make sure I'm armored up. Uh, it, I, you don't have to be wearing crazy clothing. Like My ideal set of clothes would be a, a what the bikers wear, because what bikers wear are hard, is hardened leather, and it's meant to protect you if you're in an accident. So that's ultimately what I want. But normal denim that you have, that's hard to bite through. You cover your forearms. You cover every single area that could be uh, be bitten or grabbed on or any of that. Luckily, I keep my hair short. I keep my beard long, but I can always wear a mask over the beard. Like one of those cloth masks to keep the, the beard away from people grabbing it. <laughs> but essentially cover up my whole body and make sure I'm able to get through. Um, if I go into town, I'll be able to get through there safe. And another thing that is close to that um, castle is a fresh water source. You need a fresh water source. Dehydration will be your killer. Like, if you're in a zombie, you, you can survive for quite some time without food, but without water, we're done for. So you have to make sure you have enough water and also water to, to water the crops and just generally to also clean yourself because also being dirty makes sure that you are susceptible to more infections as well you get a little cut on the the um on the the area around you the dirt that has been lying on your body for three weeks will get into that and you will essentially get an infection from that and you have to make sure you are also relatively clean that was the issue in the anglo-boer war where they would shoot you, 
and then the the bullet doesn't kill you, but the infection from all of the cloth that's pushed into your body and all the the germs that ca- is carried with that. And a lot of the bullets, I think, were made of lead. Yeah, so you just you you're essentially screwed as soon as you shot. Um, and we're looking at this survival or, or at surviving this apocalypse from a I need to survive. I need to make sure there's food. I need to make sure about all of that. But that's not the most dangerous thing about the apocalypse. Like, hunger and dying of thirst. That's why I said, like, the first aid issue. Like, I don't have that much first aid. I have basic first aid knowledge. But when you start getting sicknesses and and problems, how to deal with that is important. Because, like, a flu could take out an entire survivalist camp. Like, because no no one can work. No one can do anything because everyone yeah. is fatigued and, and bugged, you know. Um, mm. So things like that are also things that, that need to be washed out. Yeah. So and a normal infection can just destroy it. That's what happened with the uh, the Spanish flu that spread around. They did not have levels of um, uh, sanitary tools or sanitation as we do well, now. Well, that's not and, exactly exactly yeah, what happened there. The Spanish the Spanish flu in in America at least, um, it was almost the exact same thing that happened in this pandemic. Is they had it <laughs> completely under they had it uh, not like under control necessarily, but like they were they were like slowing the spread and, and getting like catching up by doing like hand washing and mask protocols and social distancing and these type of things. I don't have masks as well. I can't remember. But basically, uh, a conspiracy movement started saying that, like, no, this is for some other reason. It's not actually stopping the virus. So then people stopped doing the <laughs> the sort of uh, um, preventative procedures, and they they started a second a second wave of the same pandemic. And I think I, I'm I'm speaking under correction, but I think it was in California. And, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, history does tend to repeat itself. <laughs> yeah. But I'm talking about, like, keeping your tools and keeping your doctor, um, like, all of your doctor's tools, so, like, their scalpel and all of that, keeping it nice and clean. So if you ever have to do anything with someone, your risk of infection is much lower when you have clean tools. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty lucky there because yeah. I know how to make and distill ethanol. So fantastic! I can, I can be drunk, but also I can sterilize. <laughs> can sterilize it, yeah. And like um, heat, like in South Africa, it's not much of a problem when it's um, when it's winter because it doesn't get that cold. It gets well, cold. Well, we but have like, regions that do. We have regions that do snow. Lots of yeah, they are. Regions where you get snow, where heat is necessary. You have to make sure that your house has a certain heat level. Yeah. Because if you don't, then all your water in your pipes freeze. And then that water expands and it blows up the pipes. And then you don't have water. So certain places you do need heat. And you don't have that anymore. So you're going to have to make do with like a whole bunch of blankets trying to be all safe and whatnot. One of the big problems here on the farm is that without electricity, you can't move water around because you don't have pumps. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that becomes quite a problem. There are ways to yeah. make, there are ways to make, uh, like, 
gravity and hammer pumps, but uh, they're not the most reliable and they're very noisy and waste. And, and, um, especially the hammer pump, it makes a lot of noise and you don't really want to be making noise in a, in a zombie environment. So <laughs> it's not ideal. Um, so yeah, rainwater harvesting, things like that for people yeah. Yeah. And fires. Like you don't have you don't have firefighters going out to fight fires anymore. If a fire breaks out in one area, then it will just continue to spread. Like we you take for granted like the the measures of safety we have currently. We have firefighters to fight fire, we have policemen to help protect us against other people, we have the army to protect us against other countries. Um you have all of these measures in place. And they all just fall away as soon as there's an apocalypse. So fires would ravage an entire area. And I know of a couple of fires that have just gone out of control. And people managed to get to a point where they were able to effectively stop the fire. But we don't have people who does that. Hopefully you have one dude in your group. Uh, In 1998... We had yeah. a map, or maybe 99, I can't remember. We had a massive fire here on, on this mountain that came almost all the way down like to like the edges of our building and stuff. And as a kid, I was like eight or nine or something, and we were <clears throat> busy throwing literally buckets of water on like trees and stuff around one of the houses on the neighboring farms with the fire literally like licking those trees. And we were just throwing buckets of water to try and keep the thing away because around this one cottage, they had stored firewood literally all the way around. Oh. So if the, if, the, oh. if, the, if the flames got to the building, then the building would go. We would lose the whole building or they would lose the whole building. So, and that was very crazy. My parents on the farm have a, a boarding kennels. And so there were dogs and cats and stuff in the kennels that we had to evacuate. We've got like horses on the on the farm as well. It's it's like it's crazy like what happens when, when you've got these big fires. Um so if you if you've never and, and that was that was the biggest one that we've had like not as intense fires since then, I think two or three big ones since then. Yeah. <clears throat> and like if you've never been like in a in a like proper forest like fire, like felt fire, forest fire, where you're like the burning where it's like a whole mountain is ablaze. It's like I can't explain. Like your your ambient air is like hard to breathe. Like even yeah. when you're not near the fire, because the whole area is in temperature increases by like five to ten degrees just from like the the like oven effect from all the smoke and heat just in the air and around it. And when the wind blows, the wind just blows deep at you. It's like feeling like an oven is blowing at you. It's it's yeah. a it's a very crazy experience to be near that sort of. Uh, wild uncontrolled fire and danger and i mean it's it's scary and like when there's like we on the farms of a scenario we at least have like little mini tanks on trailers with cars but in an apocalypse scenario you might not have the ability to the petrol needed to run the pumps on the tanks and not have the petrol for the vehicles then if you get you know you, you can't exactly be driving your only vehicle to go help other dudes with their fires and stuff like that like the sense of community unfortunately becomes a lot smaller the circle becomes a lot smaller you're not going to have like 
farmers from a couple of like kilometers away come with their tractors and crop sprayers to come help you with your fire. <clears throat> so it becomes a, a very different scenario. And yeah, so fires are like I remember seeing fires come over the mountain where I lived, um, where home is for me. And like you see the fire coming down from the mountain, and you're like, ah, shit, we're gonna be screwed. Luckily, around my town, there are multiple fire breaks, so it, so that the fire can burn out before it gets to the town. Um, there was a time where one of the fires did get down to the top of, of our city or our town, and it started burning down a couple of houses, and we were like, ah, we need to like, you know, make sure that this fire stops. And it's just terrifying to see this like wall of flames coming down a mountain and you're like, I can't exactly stop it, right? And we might just have to move out because at some point you start, um, the ash starts falling from the sky. So then you just see this ash everywhere and you're like, ah, we're all kind of screwed if this fire gets even more out of control. And that's just fire. Any natural disaster that comes across you when you um have where you're in an apocalypse scenario just will entirely wreck you like if you're on the coastline a tsunami comes in you're screwed right if you're inside in a uh, more inland and a tornado comes through you're screwed anything will make you just more screwed and when you are screwed because of that the zombies come in and they just fuck you like from there on out you're like ah i managed to survive this whole fire but now there's a clear path for the zombies to like come through to where I am making as little noise as possible, but I'm the only person and the only thing that's making noise within like 25 kilometers around me. So they're going to zone in on me at some point and now I'm kind of screwed, you know? So yeah. Another thing that we don't tend to look at with zombie apocalypses is people who are on medication, dude, like people who have diabetic medication yeah, that medication, they have to take yeah. every chronic medication you don't have access to that anymore because you you will have to either jump right into wherever you um wherever your pharmacy is and try to raid it but chances are you're not going to be the first one who raided it yep. so you're going to have to deal with with these type of things and i mean my grandfather had like um a his, his foot swelled up because of his diabetes and i was like yeah you're going to have to go to the hospital now. You can't go to the hospital. Anything that yeah. happens to you, like, Dude, you can't go you, to the hospital. We were talking about infections earlier. Like, you can literally just, like, cut your foot. Yeah. Not infected. Now, you, now you're going to die. Now you're going to die. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> you're like, you just make peace with it. You're like, okay, cut off my foot. Dude, so they I'm cut they cut off your foot. And, and then, then you like, get infection in that cut. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, that's the thing. It's like, I'm pretty clumsy and, like, I recently was uh, like working with a hammer and a chisel, like a pretty big hammer, and I smacked yeah. the fuck out of my thumb. So mm -hmm. like an injury like that, just like a little bit of uh, scraped skin, you know, busted up finger. It's like okay, yeah. well, like that could be the end of you. Like <laughs> that is the end of you, and it could happen from anything. I remember there was um, a time where. I was going through a really rough time and I ended up punching this guy in his, in his face and, and it, it cut the skin of my knuckle and like my knuckle like swelled up and I was like, ha, ah, I have to go to the doctor now so he can pump some antibiotics in there. 
but you don't have antibiotics. Like, if you manage to get antibiotics, you manage to get that, that is gold. Because anyone who comes across you will have to make sure that they, when they kill you or when they take your supplies from you, they can't go damaging the supplies because it's literally gold in the apocalypse. And we are not, we are not also accounting for people who are shooting each other or fighting each other to get to a certain region. So you're like, I want that area. So I'm going to kill all the people in that area. And then my people's going to move in there. And if you get into a firefight. That's the thing is like ammunition, like how much ammunition is going to be, is there going to be? You know, yeah. Once you, once you sort like the rural areas, maybe they will stop fighting. But in the city, yeah. it's like, I think the bullets get used pretty quickly. But what about those knives? So you have the knives and, like, these fucking oh, yeah, machetes yeah. that people use. And someone just, like, slices you with a machete. And they were using that machete to, like, chop down zombies earlier. Like, yep. who's going to clean the machete every time? I will clean my machete every time. But I, I'm an outlier. You know, you have people who are like, oh, this guy's coming to attack me. We just fought zombies, so I'm gonna like scrape him with this, like I machete. Like, I probably won't. I probably wouldn't be fighting zombies with a machete. <laughs> what if you have no other option, man? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously if there's no other option, but I mean, the whole point yeah. of like the survival prep and stuff is to like have other options. Yeah, it's people. People will make your life difficult. People are yeah. natural disasters. They, they, they currently do. They currently do. It's not even an <laughs> so yeah it's like people and dealing with how people are going to try and take what you have um i i am of the um i think personally that i'll be able to find as many like-minded people who won't be as prone to um, violence who won't try and just take everything from everywhere else because people do essentially come together we are a societal people we like working together we like having a community and you just have to convince other people that don't try and kill us rather join us so we can actually have something after the apocalypse is done and i i'm just kind of hoping on the the good inside of everyone's humanity you know so yeah that that's the apocalypse that uh i would see happening and that's how I'm going to deal with apocalypse. That's how you're going to deal with the apocalypse. And if you look at other people's plans, like many people have told me what they're planning on doing for apocalypses. Have you ever come across someone who, who gave you their plan on how they're going to deal with the apocalypse? And you were like, dude, that is just terrible. It's terrible. Everything you have said to me is not going to work out. You're not going to survive. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, no, but I mean, Tinder, uh, well, I think it's Tinder, <laughs> has one of these prompts that says, like, you know, what would you do in the survival apocalypse? And a lot of the answers to those prompts are incredibly disappointing. <laughs> Mine just says, find a castle. <laughs> find a castle, because I need a castle. Yeah, you see, <laughs> I'm more... I've already gone into like detail about like the things I've re- I think about as well. <laughs> I I like I already do I'm already doing all the things that I'd probably be doing. Then. Like, <laughs> like, I'll just be less. I'd have to just wean myself off like tech. 
<laughs> yeah, that that's gonna be tough. Because I I love my technology, dude. Because can't be using computers and stuff like that when you need to be saving energy. Yeah, like you're like your batteries, stuff like that. It's like I understand. I understand that we need like electricity to like pump our water and all of that. But like, I've got this projector, right? And like, I could project this whole movie on this wall, yeah. And I've got a good sound system, guys, guys. And they're like, ah, you've won me over. Because at that point, I would have made sure they were all pretty drugged up and they were ready for anything or drunk, one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I will do better than that, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, but I don't know, man. Like, I think it'll be pretty easy, like, in the beginning. But yeah. it depends just, like, how long the scenario persists for. Like, things get really hard really quickly when you start when you start running out of the things that you're sort of used to. Yeah. And, and if you were, let's say you were in a city. You're not in a city right now. What places would you look for for as shelter in a city? Um, so you'd want something that has... More than one entrance and exit, I think, because mm-hmm. you can at least, you know, if one is being breached, you can leave the other type of situation. You'd want something that has good view or it isn't too big because you you, you want to be able to you know, keep track of, of the space that you're in. You'd want something that has a pretty clear view around it so you can see things are approaching. And so you can set up defenses. You'd want access to to water. Like the supermarket idea isn't the worst idea, but a lot of people are going to go there. So like yeah. malls, supermarkets, places like that. So if you want to try your luck with people, which personally I don't, because like I have a whole theory <laughs> about people in general. Like if we if we assume that like one one percent of of people are likely to at any given time do something really dumb then in a group of a hundred people you only have to watch out for one person but in a group of a thousand people you've got to watch out for ten people <laughs> that, so that is true the more people that you're around the more likely that there is one or more who's going to do something fucking dumb <laughs> and that's the reason why I try to not be around crowds regardless of apocalypse just in general you're just like i i don't care if there's no pandemic happening over here i just i don't like people the the, the stats back it up (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i'll come find you okay and i'll bring a bunch of people i'll bring about a hundred people so that i can just make it 99 make it 99 99 yeah there's one guy that's you're sitting there with a cal- with a calculator. You're like, ah, zero point seven five percent of these people <laughs> will likely do something stupid. And you're like, is your leg okay? Is your arm okay? Is your uh, I'm just checking, just checking. Zero point seven five percent. Ah, I'll bring a hundred people. You'll have fun with me. For me, I I'm currently living in a city, so everything you just mentioned, I have none of those. <laughs> I have like a view. <laughs> but but that's about it. <laughs> so I'm gonna yeah, have to thing, like, find a place. Buildings are buildings are really close on top of each other in in a city. 
So you yeah. need to go to like like a McDonald's actually, or like a fast food restaurant that has a big parking lot around it. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad hideout. Yeah, um, could. especially one that's like that's got like some sort of like security, like like uh, you know those like roll down uh, um, window things, or you know those like garage door type things. Something yeah. that's like really really sturdy. Um, or like if you you could also do like a container yard. That would yeah. be a bad a bad thing. But then that's a large area with lots of like places where people can hide and stuff. So it's it's it makes your job of, of security much harder. Yeah, essentially what I will just look for is I'll try and make sure that the place that I'm going to has got multiple levels and then I'll try and break the stairs going to the second level. And then make use of of um, ladders in order to get up and get down from that second level. Because first to protect against zombies, because zombies don't know how to climb. So <laughs> like they they'll be like, "How do you get up there?" And I'll be like, "Why are you guys talking? You're zombies." So I will get up to the second floor, and I will try and make sure that the everything above the second floor is as zombie free as I could make it, but Entry, I'll have entry through ladders going up from one side and going up from the other side because you need an exit plan. <laughs> no, you, you, can't, you can't say, oh, I'm very hard to get to. No one's ever going to get to me. <laughs> yeah, things will get to you, and then you're going to need to bail. So anything that has a, a second floor to it is something that I would seek to reinforce because out of the options I have around me, that is the best option I have. Um, I could try and go to a supermarket, but supermarkets have too much. They're, they're surrounded by glass. Glass is easy to break. So essentially you're in a place that has many openings where people can come through or where zombies can come through. And you're never quite sure of how safe you're going to be until you reinforce that area. So yeah, second floor, go to our office building knock out the stairs up to the second floor and then work your way from there all the way up. Hopefully that'll keep me safe until I'm able to uh, think up a plan on how I'm going to get from plan place A to play, place B because it's going to be difficult to travel anywhere. If you go on a train, zombies will hear the train and you have a horde behind the train. If you go in a car, all the roads will be clogged up from people who tried to get out of this whole situation and ran out of petrol or something happened on their way out. So the best thing I could do is try and find a horse. But, you know, horses like require a lot of maintenance, as, as uh, of course, you would know, right? Yep, they need to eat. <laughs> they need to eat. Well, grass is easy to come across, and you just have to hope that the zombie virus does not jump from species to species. Oh, yep. man, crazy. But yeah, those those are the things I would look out for in a zombie apocalypse. Um, I would like to talk more about zombies in games and zombies in shows um, at a later stage. There is one point that I want to actually do an episode on The Last of Us, but I need you to either play the game and I need you to watch the show so that we can discuss the show and the game um, in a longer format. and. Yeah, so zombies themselves, 
what do they represent in in society i don't know i suppose it represents like the way that things would be if if it was just basic instincts i guess like as opposed to like you said in the beginning you know stripping the humanity away and like what is left behind yeah yeah it's essentially what i would think that zombies would represent just a world where it's just pure and utter chaos. It's what we love. We love our apocalypse scenarios. We love having us against the world. And they try to depict that in media whenever they possibly can. But we have fought a type of um, apocalypse scenario before. And we have survived as people. If you think about the Ebola virus that spread um, a couple of years ago. It was ridiculous. But the world stepped in. And they were like, "These are what this is what we're going to do to try and contain the virus. And they effectively contained the virus and uh, stopped it from spreading all over the world. So ultimately, I think people will come through. We'll work together and we'll work through this um, apocalypse. Hopefully, it's just something that will be like six months or a year. And then we can go back to normality. <laughs> but either way, like... Make sure you are always learning because these type of things can happen at any time. We just came through um, a pandemic where many people still had access to everything they love and hold. So you had access to your electricity, you had internet access. If anything happens that puts us in an apocalypse, we won't have access to that. And at that point, knowledge becomes key. Knowledge is always important, man. Knowledge is always, it's always yeah. key. Like, that's why, like, right at the end, I said, like, that's yeah. what your what your sort of ceiling is in terms of survival. Is like, what do you know about first aid? What do you know about purification of water? What do you know about growing food? What do you know about weapons, ammunition, defenses? You know, um, any any of that knowledge is is your value in an apocalypse scenario. Yeah. Um, your ability to recall, or, or even if you just have a good library of books on the topics, yeah, it's, it's it's so valuable. Yeah, so I'm I'm not saying that um, you should be as knowledgeable about everything, but always read up. Like we hear a lot of these things, we we yeah have have access to these type of things. We hear a lot about these um, things that threaten our world. Make sure you take the time to read a little bit, just educate yourself on a couple of things like that. And you already in that top like 50% of people who will make it through just about everything. I'm an advocate for reading. So today, read World War Z by Max Brooks, the zombie survival guide. You can buy and keep it in your like cubbyo, like in your car or in your house in case a zombie apocalypse happens. Um, and yeah, that's that's about all I've got for you today. Mark, is there anything you, you'd like to add? Um, I did want to, um, I don't know, talk again about like the, the parody, like zombie type things. I like yeah. where, firstly, probably let's start with like the horror genre in general, because outside of the mainstream, there's obviously a lot of uh, zombie type horror movies that have existed that, that didn't like get picked up by the, the mainstream media. And then obviously parodies of that, you know, um, I enjoy a good zombie parody movie. Like I already mentioned, Swan of the Dead. I think it's it's such an awesome movie and it's, it's an old enough movie that I don't think I'm going to spoil anything for anyone here. But 
the way that they set up the movie. Essentially, the two main characters to give the whole plot right in the beginning of the movie, like just the way they describe what they're planning to do that that evening of drinking, it also <laughs> mirrors the whole movie's plot. Um, and then there's a lot of other like Easter eggs and things like that in the in the movie itself that are like references to like other um, series and other uh, shows and movies and things like that, which is really cool. And even the name is obviously a reference to Dawn of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's a really good movie. If you haven't seen it for some reason, uh, I don't know why you punish yourself like that, but go and see it. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably even on, on Netflix or whatever uh, streaming platform. Like it's probably everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's a really good. It's a really good thing, and it's part. It's the first movie of the Cornetto trilogy, which is a whole other rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do yourself a favor and Google the Cornetto trilogy. And yes, that's Cornetto, <laughs> as in the ice cream. <laughs> you'll understand when you watch the movies and then you won't understand because you watch the movies so yeah have fun with that <laughs> yeah, other than that I mean if you want to survive any apocalypse scenario then your best thing is not necessarily to be an obsessive prepper because the stress and paranoia might kill you before an apocalypse does but, like, having a few seeds, having a few things you can do in your cupboard, having a first aid kit, having, you know, a couple of cans of food is probably not the worst idea, um, yeah. just in general. You don't need to have, like, a whole year's supply of stockpiled food and water and cans or whatever the fuck, but, like, these things are worth, like, spending a little bit of thought on. Yeah, and as I said, knowledge. Like it's it's good to know what food is edible in the wild, because like like even if you're just stranded one day because you're on a boat yeah. or a plane or a car that's stopped in like an area that doesn't have much and you've got to spend like six or eight hours without a cell phone like these are all scenarios that are possible, and then all of your survival skills will obviously be super valuable in those scenarios as well. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be valuable in a couple of other scenarios. You know, like it's always always fun to give people a little bit of trivia when you're sitting in a bar and you're like, "Yeah, dude, I can probably like cut and skewer a a a a deer, and I can do it very quickly." And they're like, "What? You can do that?" But other things also, it's just good to know, like how to change a tire. Please tell me you know how to change a tire. To me. Yes, you know how to change a tire, right? Of course, though. I mean, like... I've changed many a tire. I think (laughs) think the first time I changed a tire on my own, uh, I was like 11 or 12, and one of my dad's friends came over and was drinking with my dad and walked out and was like, oh, shit, he's got a bad tire. But he was like drunk and lazy and didn't want to, you know, uh, change his own tire. (laughs) So he gave me and my buddy 100 bucks each to change the tire for him. So, so I, at 11 or 12, 100 bucks was like half of a Sims 2 game. <laughs> I remember my father was like, So you're going to learn how to change a tire? And I'm like, What? He's like, Yeah, the car's already jacked up. Just like loosen the tire and put on the new tire. And I'm like, Is that it? He's like, Yeah, yeah. Just make sure the tire's fine. And then 
you know, hopefully the car doesn't fall on you. And I'm like, ah, oh, great, thanks. Wait, this, this sounds both fun and safe. <laughs> I, I survived. <laughs> but yeah, that that's about all um, I have to say about our uh, zombie topic. At some point, we might uh, re rediscover or revisit this topic. I'm keen to do a, an in-depth dive on The Last of Us because I am very fascinated by the Cordyceps concept. And yeah, um, I've been meaning to to get into the series and into the games, but I haven't uh, managed to do so yet. So I'll do so, and we can do a we can revisit zombies as a topic after that. I guess. Yes. Um. And if you wanna comment on this episode uh in the description there will be a link no longer just like uh words that are there it's a link you click on the link it takes you straight to podbean you can comment on the episode from there i'll also be leaving my um twitch uh link over there if you want to see me play over the weekend i am currently playing hogwarts legacy uh but i will expand it to other games like path of exile and other games that I have just neglected to play before that. And when Minecraft comes out, that's the place where I'll be streaming my Minecraft. So yeah. links are in the description. Click on it. Leave a comment if you like this episode. And yeah, have a great day as well. You can leave a comment if you if you don't like the episode as well. Like you can tell us like, hey, uh, I think zombies are boring, and, and we'll be like, okay, man, you can you can think that too. Um, you can also tell us if there's any other topics you'd like us to tackle. Um, you know, like any feedback here is is very welcome. We we don't have much direction yet. Um, also, one one thing, can can you please put your feedback in English? Like we 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 appreciate the Spanish feedback that a couple of you from Mexico would give us. But please put it in English <laughs> so that we can read it and we can react yeah, on it. it? Uh, and no español. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what he said. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, for those of you who are listening to, uh, right up until the end, thank you for listening to our entire podcast. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, have a good day. And have a fantastic week further. Yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. That's it.